Hey, 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 welcome to your last, only Mr. God Knows. It's Kira, I'm talking Eurovision for one last time of the year, 2023, for a post-game analysis. <sighs> Everyone's going crazy. <sighs> we love when you do this, Kira. <sighs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> Eurovision 2023 is now done. Um... I had a great time. <laughs> let's just say that. Um, I've been enjoying it. But let's let's get into results, what happened, things of this nature. First thing I want to do is just talk about the show itself. Um, which, let's, let's just get out of the way. Um, I think the UK did a pretty good job. Uh, I, I, I don't think it was, it was bad. Um... Viewership was also, we have some of the viewership numbers, it was pretty high, um, particularly the UK was quite high, they were enjoying it. Um, not as much royal bullshit as I was expecting, although like a, a, a small clip of uh, Camilla and Charles with subwoofer, wolfer or whatever they're called, the, the give, your, give the wolf a banana song from last year, um, that needs to die and go away and i hate them <laughs> i hate them forever stop trying to make them a thing um yeah that that was really much it also less beatles stuff than i thought um they did a kind of like they did a very nice medley of songs from and about liverpool in the final that was really quite nice and they got uh, an idea that i think is brilliant and they should keep doing is they got like past winners slash favorites to sing the songs um, as much as I'm, I'm not the biggest uh, Deathy Freya stan out there, as Rob put it on the night of like, yeah, it's nice seeing him once a year. Um, <laughs> the his cover uh, um, was really good and really nice and really fun. Um, so yeah, I liked that. <laughs> the other thing that I uh, um, found very interesting about this year is like just the show. Show was uh, Hannah Waddingham really just fucking stole the show as the host. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, the 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 it, it, your one from <laughs> Ted Lasso, and uh, um, I guess she was also the like uh, um, pious um, bell made woman from Game of Thrones. Uh, um, yeah, she she was amazing uh, as a, as a host. Um, I think kind of upstaged uh, a lot of people. Including uh, uh, Graham. I think Graham Norton was actually like a very bad host. And they also tried to have it like both ways. Like most of the time he wasn't on the screen because as I understood it, he was do it, he went back into the commentator's box and was doing commentators if you were watching the BBC uh, uh, feed. And I, I, like you could you can't have it both ways. You really couldn't have it both ways. I think it was a bad idea to try and make him do both. Um the way they did maybe keeping the commentators box but like deck it out a little bit and you could have like a special commentators box because like graham norton is important to the bbc's understanding of eurovision so why not but like either he should have been a host always down there given it socks or he should have been a commentator the whole time i think splitting him didn't work um yeah it just seems kind of like the, the worst of both worlds and was completely upstaged by hada waddingham uh, or whatever I've forgotten her name is. <laughs> Forgot exceedingly British name. Um, 
Yeah, and also like her and Graham being the people who announced the points rather than her and uh, um, the Ukrainian host, who I've forgotten the name of now, because it was quite nice. They uh, uh, they always put her name in when they announced it in Cyrillic, in Ukrainian Cyrillic. Um, so that was that was pretty nice. Um, <clears throat> but for a show that was meant to be like the UK hosting on behalf of Ukraine, um, Yulia Sanina, that's her name, uh, um, from the alternative hard rock band, uh, alternative rock band Heart Kiss, having uh, um, Hannah Waddingham and Graham Norton be the people who did the points rather than what I think you should have done, which is Hannah Waddingham and Yulia uh, uh, Sanina do the, the, the points. Because like this was meant to be kind of like sharing the stage a little bit, and it, it did kind of just feel like mostly the UK uh, um, too much. Will a lot of nods to uh, uh, Ukraine, obviously, because it was a Ukrainian show. And there's things they were done well, like Kalush Orchestra featured quite a bit. Um, yeah, so I thought that was that was pretty good. Um, Alicia Dixon, um, no, very much faded into the background when compared to the other three hosts. Um, even <clears throat> even in the semifinals, when Graham Norton basically didn't make an appearance at all. Um, yeah. But overall, quite good. Uh, viewership was up. Uh, it seems to be pretty common now that you set these things not in your capital city, um, which is smart because it's just cheaper to do it that way. Uh, so setting it in Liverpool rather than London. Uh, I don't really... If, if my memory serves, the, the, the cities in in the running to host it i don't even think uh, london put its hat in uh, last memory serves it was it was uh, um it was okay yeah they did they actually did submit it a bit by the looks of things um but it was not shortlisted they put in a bid but it wasn't shortlisted shortlisted was birmingham leeds Manchester, Newcastle, Sheffield, Glasgow, and Liverpool. Um, and then it came down to Glasgow and Liverpool as like a head on head, and Liverpool won out. Um, I think both cities would have been great. I would have loved to actually see Scotland um, when we had Elaine Scanner Moon on uh, uh, episode episode three of Only Mr. God Knows. She really pointed out that like Scotland has been relatively un- under uh, 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 underrepresented in the UK's entries, which I find uh, super interesting. However, now we're going to talk about the results. And the first thing I want to start with is briefly the semifinals. Um, so semifinal one on Tuesday, clear winner. And what I predicted um, was Finland. Um, however, what I didn't get wrong was actually, uh, I thought Ireland uh, we are one wild youth would come last they didn't qualify rightfully so in my opinion it was pretty general dreadful performance um but what came last was actually malta i i still do not get like the malta hate uh, um i think not great to qualify like not good enough to qualify but like for it to come last in semi-final one is very surprising for me similarly uh, um similarly like to not beat Azerbaijan, that was a pretty 
dire act. Uh, uh, Azerbaijan came second last. Ireland came fourth last out of 15. Uh, uh, 12 out of 15, I should say. Um, just not really narrowly missing because actually they're quite far off in terms of points. Uh, Latvia very narrowly missed uh, uh, qualifying uh, with 34 points versus Serbia, who did qualify with 37. Serbia coming last of like the countries that did qualify is also quite surprising for me. I was expecting probably, well, actually, the songs that are above it, slightly above it, Portugal, Croatia, Switzerland, um, which are ninth, 8th, and 7th, respectively. Uh, respectively. I, I thought that would happen. Um, <clears throat> briefly into semifinal two. Uh, this is also a bit of a surprise for me. Um, as a song that kind of grew on me over listening to it over and over again with the semifinals and the final. Uh, Australia came first in semifinal two. Uh, with 149 points, Austria came second. Austria was who I thought was going to come first. Um, and that's, you know, that, that, that's that's respectable. Those are the those basically the only two songs I liked in this, or really liked in this final. Uh, Belgium was pretty good. Slovenia was fine. Um, but I think, like, a lot of my personal, like, duds were in this, um, were in this entry. <laughs> In, uh, semi-final. The surprising thing for me was Poland. Poland came third um, in semi-final two. Uh, third favorite. And this is, this is semi-finals for a reminder for people, no jury vote in the semi-finals this year. All public vote. Bam, bam. Like, really? <laughs> so very, very surprising for me. Um, however, a lot of the other song, a lot of the other entries that year that qualified, uh, this year in semifinal two that qualified, not surprising. The only real upset was, uh, for me, was Georgia not qualifying. I thought Georgia would do well. I knew a lot of people who really liked this song, not just Josie Parkinson in uh, episode two of Only Mr. God Knows. Uh, yeah, so, however, the correct prediction I got was what song came last? San Marino, smell you like an animal. <laughs> God damn it. Zero points. Televote only and zero points. That is that is quite the feat. Uh, however, Romania also got zero points. Um, Degate did not... No. The, 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 they made the staging worse. So there, it was presented... If you go through the... If you ever watched the big mega mix of... Or playlist of Eurovision songs that qualified this year... Uh, all the songs that were in this year, you would probably see Romania's sexy magic show, uh, 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 sexy close-up magic show. Um, and people were like, this staging is weird, you need to improve it. And, you know, the guy, uh, um, Theodore Andre, uh, he he did say, okay, I'll, I'll improve this. And he apparently he's been giving it socks, he's been dancing all the time, he's been practicing, blah, blah, blah. But the staging they did for this year, for their show, terrible awful no absolutely not uh i think they they made it worse bring back the weird creepy sexy close-up magic um that was slightly better uh you need to appeal to the something for the dads uh, uh, uh contingent right then we get into the results of the final um <clears throat> how do i how do i do this section Mm. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly go through uh, um, some some thoughts about the jury vote 
on the televote and how they were working this year versus, um, and then I'll kind of go through the results, maybe starting from the bottom up. So the televote, I think this year suffered from the fact that Finland was such a clear favorite. Uh, Finland got from the public, from the televote, 376 points and it won. It won the televote, uh, uh, um, and yeah, that's it's pretty great for Finland. Uh, it's a huge deal for uh, Karia's Cha Cha Cha. Uh, great song. But like at the end, when I got to the final and through the night, this was my number one favorite. This is my favorite song. Uh, it was really for me. It was between this and Austria, but Austria's performance and staging was a little underwhelming. I still love it as a studio track, and I think as a studio track, it's going to have a great afterlife. Um, of the contest the <clears throat> so I do think that the televote suffered because uh, Finland was such a clear favorite they got all these whopping points and then everyone was kind of, everyone else especially those that were kind of similar to Finland or would appeal to the same type of person were left in the lurch um, good example of this would be Australia uh, uh, like a lot of the alternative acts Australia Austria um, I believe Serbia and Germany all kind of, I think, got paltry uh, uh, um, televote results because in other years, I think the televote would have been more equally split between those types of songs, but the people who would vote for these types of things basically all voted for Finland. And this kind of led a lot of songs that are kind of like appealing to the opposite kind of stuff uh, um, like yeah the, doing the opposite kind of stuff really uh, do well um, a good example of this is like Belgium got a fair amount of televotes and I can imagine Belgium and Finland not having a huge amount of overlap in terms of appeal uh, same with Italy for example with like Italy being kind of like king of the ballads this year then the thing I want to talk about next is the <clears throat> The juries. And for me, this year, the juries were wild now. Um, we will get into discussions of like the jury's favorite versus the televote favorite. The jury's favorite this year was Sweden. And Sweden's decent uh, uh, um, public vote and its phenomenal jury vote kind of allowed it to win. Sweden's this year's winner, for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, and putting Finland in second place with a fairly poor performance with the jury. Uh, or, well, no, pretty decent, I guess, in retrospect, but very much out of out of step with what the public wanted. Um, so, yeah. Then, <clears throat> however, the thing that really freaked me out with the, the jury this year is the jury is usually quite conservative. That is what I prepared for. Um, however... This year, they did... Like, I don't know what they were doing, to be perfectly honest. Like, sure, giving Sweden those points, whatever. I don't really... I'm not going to fault them too much about that. It's something I also predicted. Uh, I'm very much going into this competition being like, Sweden's going to win, Finland's going to win the public vote. Um, however, I did expect Sweden's uh, uh, jury and public score to be more equal, rather than there being, like, a 100-point difference between those two scores. Um... I was expecting, which is uh, how Lorene won 
in 2012. She pretty much got the exact same number. She was public favorite and jury favorite, got the exact same number of points really from both. And that's how she won in 2012. Um, however, there was like a hundred point difference. She was second with public vote and first with the jury. So basically Sweden and Finland are swapped in, in, in both those scenarios. The thing that's very interesting, though, was votes that uh, the jury gave to, for example, Israel. Um, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say they were swapped because they weren't swapped. Israel was the jury's second favorite. And that, to me, is incredibly surprising. Um, the jury gave them 177 points. Israel, to me, as a song, is very much a televote-based song. I, I don't understand where this jury support for it is coming from. It's it's competent. Don't get me wrong. I was like I always knew it was going to be top 10. Uh, it came third this year overall. And my, like I, I, I really... It's very strange. This is not a song that would usually get jury votes. Uh, another song that did quite well with the jury coming in like fifth place with the jury, and this is not surprising at all to me, was Estonia. Uh, Estonia did well with the jury, did quite paltry with the public, what I expected. Australia was did well with the jury. That was also surprising to me. I was expecting that to be like a televote song. Austria? Okay, actually, so this is this is where we get into the real meat and the potatoes. Austria, I love you, but that was a televote song. That was 100% a televote song. And it also did uh, paltry performance in terms of, like, staging, cinematography. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. It's just a really good studio track, I which I wish Taya and Selena all the luck in the world, but, like, you should not be getting more points than Spain? What the fuck? Um, AIA, um, I'm going to be calling it AIA, uh, AIA by Blanca Paloma, um, got 100 points in total, five from the public, which was, there were gasps and, like, shocks in the, in the studio, you could audibly hear it when the results were coming in, um, but got a 95 from the jury versus 104 from Austria. That was, for me, a strange one. Because Spain redoes meet all the criteria for being a huge winner with the jury. Um, mixing of traditional with modern, uh, great costumes, great cinematography, brilliant stage. Blanca Paloma is a, 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 a professional costume designer. Like, that's her job, her, her day job. And, like, the fact that it was a really great song uh, and perfect, like... In every other year by this one, this would be a jury smash hit. Maybe, like, Sweden first spot, sure. But, like, Israel being second favorite with the jury rather than something like Spain is is baffling to me. Huge amounts of jury points for things like Cyprus as well, which a lot of models, uh, predictive models, had um, predicted Cyprus coming last of all places. Um, yeah, yeah. In general, we'll talk a little bit more about the juries, but the juries were acting weird this year. I mean, I I would, if I may be so bold, the juries usually act and vote like conservative straights. This year, they acted like conservative gays. Um, very, like, a very slight distinction, but, like, it's very... The voting for Israel and the voting for... Uh, uh, um, Israel, Cyprus, um, huge amount of point, points for Belgium as well. Belgium is a very good song, but like that shouldn't be like a jury winner. 
uh, and then like shafting what I think like a very obvious shafting of Spain um, in my books. Uh, France also as well. France was also something that should have been a big jury hit, but only got 54 points from them and came 16th overall. And I think even further down in the ranking of total, like of juries, um, might've been 16 of both. I'm having a hard time reading this chart, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) Overall point, like other things that I'm just like not surprised by Italy, basically having the same amount of public votes as jury votes. Um, not surprising to me. They came third in the jury ranking fourth overall. Um, yeah, not surprising. I know a lot of people found that song a bit boring. I know I did. It's not like anywhere in my top 10, but exactly performed how I thought it would. Croatia was also one that wasn't surprising. Came second last with the jury and then uh, uh, um, <laughs> 13th overall saved by a very high public vote. Um, you know, no love from the jury for Poland. Not surprising. Um, yeah. <clears throat> then I'm going to get into the topic on everyone's lips post Eurovision. Um, Lorraine versus Caria. And what this all kind of means. <laughs> um, like I said, favorite with the public vote was Caria by a lot. Um, and then favorite with the jury was Loreen, also by a lot. Um, Sweden was the second favorite with the public. However, Finland was fourth favorite of the jury, uh, with, um, Israel and Italy beating Finland with jury votes. Uh, yeah. So, Okay personal opinions at the side like at the gate i i really don't like tattoo um i think it's competent i predicted pretty early that it was was going to do well and it was very much going to win i i didn't really like i didn't want it to happen but i didn't really have any illusions that it wasn't going to happen it was going to happen um i'm a little sad that i came up with the term tuphoria after (laughs) <laughs> after the actual competition because for me this is what it feels like it's just it's just an attempt to capture the magic in the bottle that is euphoria um and there's some very interesting statistics about that because when euphoria won it got like about 12 percent of all jury votes available when tattoo won this year it got about 17 percent of all jury votes available and i think no one in their right mind thinks that ta- even if you like tattoo, thinks that tattoo is the better song. I think also that tattoo is going to not really have a very good uh, um, afterlife because I think it'll last for about a year. Uh, it's doing quite well now, but like this soon after the competition, the winner always does well in like streaming charts and stuff because it's a lot of it is people um, listening to the song that won because they didn't watch the competition. Um, you know, conversations in offices are like, oh yeah, watch the Eurovision. Oh, who won? And they'll ch- and then like while you're working, you might check it out on your Spotify. Um, then we get into yeah, and then I think like any DJ set that kind of like plays this after a certain amount of months is going to be just met with people being like, just play Euphoria. Um, yeah, I'm also personally not a huge fan of Sweden in 
Eurovision. Um, despite the playing up I did of like this whole Sweden versus Ireland for a record for most wins, I'm under no illusions. Ireland has not been good for a very, 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 very long time in this competition. Um, we we are we are the new Britain. Uh, mainly that, that our attitude towards the competition is still kind of stuck in these conspiracy theories of oh we're uh, uh, we're being punished. Uh, Europe doesn't like us, which is like an insane conspiracy theory because um, despite uh, despite how cartoonish it is internationally we are adored <laughs> like the irish people are very much just like loved like a lot of that is coupled with ignorance and not really knowing what like a lot of countries just do not know what internally ireland is like but we are a very charming nation and people <laughs> people like us um so like this is this is an insane conspiracy theory the last time uh, to put into context the only time that we sent a eurovision entry that made it to number one in our charts, like in our music charts within Ireland, uh, was Jedward's Lipstick um, in the... I want to say that was some point between 2009 and 2013 because I was in college. So I'd have... Uh, I want to say 2011. <laughs> Let's say 2011. Um, and that was like the best result we've had in the modern version of the competition. Um, if you just send something that people like, it does well, and that's that's true of like who did well in this competition uh, uh, um, this year. Um, Loreen is loved. Cha cha cha. Karia is adored in Finland. Um, in his national selection process, he like won more points than all the other acts, the other six acts combined. Um, Noah Carell from Israel is like a pop star, like a stadium pop star. Um, like it's. The formula, like, it's 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 not it's not a secret how you do this, how you win, um, but <clears throat> anyway, moving away from Ireland, as much as I played up that kind of like fight in my head, the title fight, as Rob and Nick called it on the stream, um, I knew Sweden was going to beat this record eventually. I think their eighth win will probably come relatively soon. Um, however, I do not really like Sweden in this competition. If you ask me to pick countries I do enjoy in this competition, through line, I do enjoy Finland in recent years. They've been sending, they've just been sending like hardcore and metal and stuff. Uh, and I think that's fun. Um, I, anyone who watched the stream in 2021 knows that we were all popping off for, uh, um, what, like Enter the Dark Side, Join the Dark Side, uh, um, that song. That was great. Then... I also enjoy and respect a lot uh, um, Moldova and Ukraine. Uh, Moldova always sends something very energetic, very fun, and but also quite different every year. Uh, and Ukraine sends pretty good quality stuff, usually very good at mixing the kind of like modern and traditional uh, uh, elements very, very well. Um, those are the songs that I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, whereas, like, Moldova has this kind of feeling of, like, being in a, kind of like, being in a dive bar, Ukraine always gives me the feeling of, like, of taking drugs at a rave in the woods kind of feeling, whereas, like, Sweden always gives me the feeling of, I'm in an airport, it's clean and I hate it, um, like, I'm having a miserable time, <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, like, 
not surprising. I also don't think like I would begrudge it being in a top 10 spot or whatever. <sighs> However, we should probably talk about like public vote versus jury vote and how things are going to like shake up because we're getting we're getting some narratives spun. Uh, um, Caria as the real winner is a narrative that's being developed right now. Um, but like, this was always a possibility. This is how the game works. However, I think this narrative reveals that it's not really the way that people want it to work um, at all. <laughs> so that's a good point. Like, no one, no one likes the juries. I should, I should really just stress this: no one likes the juries. No one thinks that the jury is giving points to a song is like a legitimate way to win. I think we're we are seeing that now. We are seeing a lot of people who really like Loreen, particularly who, people who liked Loreen a lot more than Cha 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 Caria, kind of coming out this defense of like, oh, you know, she did second best, blah blah blah, and it's like she was closer to third in the public vote than she was to first. Um, so. <laughs> Put that out there <laughs> and um yeah it's like i kind of like i enjoy juries and people will know that like i enjoy the competition overall but i would always describe the juries or i feel about the juries like as an obstacle something you have to deal with something you have to overcome they're like they're like the house robots in robot wars they're not really when they win it doesn't feel good <laughs> Another way of putting this is, uh, or another way why you might understand this being a problem, particularly for the EBU, the European Broadcasting Union, is you're talking about the people who are paid to give their votes winning out over the people who pay to give their votes. And that is always just going to kind of leave a a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Um, So yeah, there's this... This isn't isn't great. (laughs) Um... The other thing that we kind of like, Yulia was very quick to note on the stream is we uh, um, we were getting a little bit of our fingers of the button. Elaine Skyrimoon talked about this a little bit when we had her on the podcast about like how people have a tendency to vote for who they think they should vote for. Uh, uh, um, a sense of responsibility rather than, uh, you know, uh, um like who you actually like uh she correctly pointed out that like something like tattoo will win but things like cha-cha-cha and uh uh, who the hell is edgar being the things that actually will be most listened to over a period of time uh and will be the kind of like takeaway hits from this song a huge part of this i think has been the uh uh, there's influence with the commentators commentators are usually like it's kind of to quote georgia thing is known um Graham Norton has, like, said, oh, Azerbaijan, favored to win this year while commentating for the BBC, even though they weren't, and they weren't close in the bank, like, bookies' rankings or anything, and they didn't do well in that year, and it's kind of like, well, Azerbaijan has a tendency to bribe people in these competitions. Commentators do have sway and influence. And one of the things that happened in the first few minutes of this year's competition was the big um, most wins of Eurovision leaderboard that they put up there. And that forces every commentator in every country reporting this competition to talk about the title fight thing that's happening between Sweden and Ireland um, in a way that has never happened before. No one ever shows that tally of total wins. 
<laughs> at the beginning of the competition, Yulia was just flabbergasted when she saw that. She was like, "They're they're doing it. They're just they're forcing the narrative." And I'm like, "Interesting." Um, there's that, and there's other titles that she broke. She's the only woman to win twice. Um, the second person to ever win twice. Uh, it's a big deal. And, like, again, I really don't resent this song too much. I think it was pretty decent and competent. It's just not, like, my personal favorite at all. But um, I think people defending Loreen at this moment uh, um, or, like, thinking that she just outright deserves this win and kind of, like, saying this are just kind of in a weird form of denial that this is sour grapes for a lot of people. A lot of people are pissed off. And... While I agree with a lot of people saying, like, she herself doesn't deserve this, um, although I don't, she doesn't strike me as someone who's actually very active on social media. She probably has someone managing her accounts for her. I, I, I think, I don't think you should be in denial of the fact that a lot of people are pissed off. And I think there, it's getting noticed. Um, there's been a lot of articles already talking about, like, people being annoyed at the juries. Um, a lot of people questioning, why do we even need the juries? Uh, Norway has the national broadcaster in Norway has already called for like reform of the juries. Finland is pissed, although they're not going to really say too much because it would just look like sour grapes to them. But there has been calls from other countries as well to say like, should we even be doing juries anymore? Um, there is the conspiracy theory that uh, um, this has all been orchestrated because Sweden is going to host next year in 2024. And that will be the 50 year anniversary of ABBA winning for the first time, um, of ABBA winning, sorry, and yeah, they, that is a interesting thing, people saying that's like not possible, I don't think it's likely, but it is totally possible, the, um, the number of national juries totals to about 185 people, um, you could, you can, you can bribe a, a significant amount of those people if you needed to, um, and there's talk about like, oh, will we get an ABBA reunion for next year's Eurovision? Um, I don't know how likely that is because they basically shy away from ever doing Eurovision events. Um, but if they did, that would be the biggest show in the world. <laughs> this would be the biggest live show. Like it would be Eurovision audience, which is already pretty substantial, plus ABBA fans, uh, which is huge. So yeah, maybe. If the, if they manage to actually get ABBA back next year, I'll 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 bring this conspiracy theory back up and be like, mm, maybe. Um, I don't think it's likely, but it's just I'm here just reporting the news. So, like I said, there's been call for jury reforms, <sighs> and let's talk about why we even have the juries to begin with, because the reason we do is stupid <laughs> so for all the chat of your vision as this thing that brings people together and peace and love and stuff like that which is technically true as a byproduct it's not why this competition started the ebu the european broadcasting union is largely a union of technical professionals um the first eurovision contest was not meant to be annual they just did it once and it was largely exi- it largely existed as a flex <laughs> like a technical flex television is this brand new thing but here we are doing live television in several countries yo check this shit out that is what Eurovision comes from um, 
and to an extent, it's always been like a, a, a technical competition. I, I talked about before, I think when we had Chris Wade on for this miniseries, about how when Osram sponsored this uh, uh, contest, they were basically the light bulb company, the German light bulb company. They were showcasing all their like stage lighting. It was basically became an unofficial like stage show for Os for Osram, like a, a um, yeah, like a, a convention type of thing for light bulbs, um, and also uh, one of the first competitions to introduce televoting. Originally, when Eurovision started, it was only juries, um, two people per country, and. Now we have the televote, and the televote didn't really become universally adopted until 2004. And also, like, you can pretty much map of, like, who adopted televoting first and who developed televoting for Eurovision last. It's pretty much one for one for infrastructure. <laughs> See, like, who actually had the capability and which countries had the capability to do this. Um, so there's that. Um, the juries were kept... For a while, we had a purely televote competition. With uh, um, for a while, we had pure, mostly televote with juries for those who can't do it, and then we had purely televote for a while, and uh, with juries as a backup for whatever reason the televote fails. However, in two thousand and seven, around uh, uh, a little bit later, probably, it kind of became accepted received wisdom uh, kind of unquestioned that eastern european block voting was ruining the competition um and yeah I, i'm just going to read this quote from the press release from the ebu the need to bring back a jury vote as a means of putting an end to what has, has become seen as an obvious political or diaspora voting has been clear for some time the perception of biased voting has led to a decline in reputation of the Eurovision Song Contest in Western Europe as a fair music competition and led Sir Terry Wogan to resign as the UK commentator after almost four decades of coverage. <coughs> Points to that. So the block voting myth is one that's quite interesting uh, that I, I want to talk about a little bit here. The... People say that it's political reasons. Uh, when this does occur, it's more likely being explained by two other things. First, uh, diaspora. Um, you can clearly look at this with like how Ireland and the UK have historically voted for each other. Um, because Ireland was always one to give... Uh, or The UK always gave points to Ireland, but Ireland never gave points to the UK. And again, you can kind of map that onto the political relationship between these two countries. That also makes sense. But the real reason for this is it's more likely for Irish people to move to the UK than it is for British people to move to Ireland. Um, thus, and then also you have the North. Like, that's just like a whole thing. <laughs> that would be a whole thing of like, you're technically in the UK for, you know, Eurovision reasons, but you're, you're for a, a substantial portion of the population, your loyalties lie, lie elsewhere. Um, yeah, so this is, this is a whole thing uh, there. And then there's like back and forth. This is like the Cyprus and Greece thing as well then you also had like shared music industry so speaking of cyprus and greece again as being like the only two countries in the competition and the world that speak greek um they have a shared music market someone who is a big deal uh, like a greek pop star who is sent to represent greece in the eurovision is also probably somewhat popular in cyprus 
It's just what happens. And when you have these like shared linguistic spaces and spheres, especially if the act is somewhat legacy, then that's just what happens. Um, for example, last year, Konstraka got a lot of votes from every country that could understand Serbian uh, because she sung her song in Serbian. And this year also, uh, um, we got a lot of points for Let3, Croatia's entry from a lot of like the former Yugoslavia as well because they tour in those countries and they do their kind of like satirical music act in those countries as well. They're like, up, they are up to date and critical of politics in Serbia and Montenegro and stuff like that. <sighs> then we um and also one other thing i want to point out with the, this quote that i do not like sir terry wogan resigns as uk commentator after four decades of coverage because of eastern european block voting eastern european block voting was never proven um not in any substantial way there isn't actually like pan eastern european solidarity Romania and Moldova voting for each other? Sure. Belarus and Russia voting for each other? Sure. But, like, Belarus voting for Romania just because they're both, quote-unquote, Eastern European, a category of countries that a lot of people in Eastern Europe don't really like or enjoy or think is particularly useful. Um, that was always 100% a myth. Also, Terry Wogan's resigned live on air in 2007 because a lesbian won. That is like a massive homophobe piece of shit. Um, I was watching for that. I was I was 17. I was 16, actually. Shit, yeah, because it's in May. Um, I was 16, and I see him have a little tirade about um, how the competition is shit because Serbia came first with a, a, a very openly like lesbian act. Um, that also he had problem with because she wasn't attractive enough either. Um, and then coming second was the famous Ukrainian act. Uh, uh, um, I'm blanking on the name now, but like a drag act from Ukraine. You know it. Um, so he was just like, it's it, basically his complaint while voice while voicing like this Eastern European problem of like, oh, two Eastern European countries have done well with decent songs. That second place Ukrainian win is like a Eurovision classic. Um, he's also very, very obviously talking about the fact of like, oh, it's too openly gay now. Um, and we can't have that. For added context for people who don't believe me, uh, Terry Wogan called uh, Conchita Verst the uh, uh, drag act from the the bearded drag queen act from Austria, uh, who won in twenty fourteen. Um, he called he called him I should say to him and he him I believe is the pronouns um, a freak show. So. Great vibes all around. <laughs> but the other thing we should say that juries were reintroduced as this thing that has 50% of the vote to basically prevent block voting, which, lol, um, this year was the first time that Greece didn't give 12 points to Cyprus, and people cheered in the st- like in the fucking venue when they saw that they only gave them four points. When it came up on screen, people cheered. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Like, the juries have been nothing but a source of corruption and graft. Like, they have not really solved any of the stated problems. And the stated problem was also kind of bullshit to begin with, of, like, we must stop the Slavic hordes. Um, stupid. All very stupid. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so then we get into proposed reforms. People are talking about this. What do we do? 
Um, first an- uh, the first answer is a return with a V <laughs> to get rid of the juries. We did this for a while, for a handful of years. We did public, uh, um, purely televote. Juries maybe still exist as a thing for when the televote fails for technical reasons. Um, and yeah, I, I really don't see a problem with that, a huge amount. It could make the show on the night a great deal more boring. <laughs> In 2016, when Sweden, uh, the Swedish live show introduced the concept of visually separating the jury and public vote, that did make for just a more interesting show. Having like all the jury votes come in while the public votes are being counted uh, to then see everything get switched around on the board in the last 15 minutes of the show is very, very fun. I, I cannot stress enough for people that we would, for people who don't remember the competition and when the points were smashed together, we would know about the winner um, before we'd even gotten through all the countries. Shows that like the 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 show would just kind of like limp along because they had to do the service of getting to everyone's like jury and like points announcement, even though it was like, well, it's impossible for anyone else to win now. This person has just won. Um, so having that separation is still really exciting. So I I, I would kind of like to see that continue. Um, that being said, I'm for reform uh, of some form. Um, there is. There's people talking about changing the content of the juries. Um, one thing that we had as a huge problem this year was like the the juries as we understand them are music industry professionals, right? And that's really important. That industry word is huge important. One, it kind of opens up for like what you could call soft corruption um, of like industry professionals looking out for other industry professionals voting for the song that has the most industry professional fingerprints all over it against outsiders. Uh, and that could be a narrative that's very easily spun around Lorene versus Caria. Lorene is um, an established act within Sweden, a huge amount of money and power behind her now, uh, um, like a lot of pop stars. Um, Caria doesn't have a car. <laughs> like, Caria, like, Caria is genuinely just a small Finnish bean um who doesn't have a car doesn't have a mortgage um yeah in the typical kind of millennial fashion um and the music industry tendrils of countries like sweden and to be fair also italy um kind of do have their fingers in a lot of pies when it comes to the music industries of various other european countries and there can be soft corruption there um i'll i'll, I'll talk about this in a little bit um Oh, should say to this whole like public versus uh, uh, televote or t- uh, public versus jury thing. So we're pointing out that like the reason why this can feel a bit sour is we have it hasn't been since 2015 that a jury favorite beat a televote favorite. Um, that has been it's been a while since this happened, and it was also Sweden who did that. That was um. What's his name? Mana, Mana, Manaslau, whatever, with the song Heroes, um, the thing where he was singing with little cartoon boys and stuff. Um, and he's he's popular, um, but I think he's more popular for like doing a good job hosting uh, because he hosted Eurovision when Sweden had it last. Um, and he's also made various other hosting appearances for future Eurovisions. He's kind of like a, a hit in that regard. But like the song they beat, the televote vote they beat, because I was at that Eurovision, was uh, uh, Italy's Il Volo um, Papra song 
that people went absolutely fucking nuts for and set the record that year for most televotes. Um, so that's it's, uh, it's bad. Uh, I should say that Caria has also received the record for second most televotes, joint second most televotes with Portugal in 2017, uh, who did win. Um, and having like that record setting most televotes and not winning is, again, very hard to swallow for a lot of people. Um, first most televotes is uh, Ukraine last year, Kalush Orchestra, uh, which like fair. So it's going to be a long time before anyone beats that, I think. But uh, yeah, since 2015, the televote favorite has won, um, either beating the jury favorite, as in 2022, 2021, uh, uh, 2018, things like that, or it's been the favorite of both, um, or what is actually more common, uh, or not even common, it's happened twice, I guess, 2019 and 2016, where neither the televote favorite or the jury favorite win and some sort of like basically a compromise candidate comes um that i think is easier for people to swallow those circumstances are all easier for people to swallow than jury favorite beats um televote favorite anyway sorry i did some research i needed to get it on paper Uh, and by on paper i mean in recording then we have other proposed reforms Industry professionals. Okay, getting back to that. Music industry professionals, I feel like, are failing at their job when they block things or they don't give a lot of points to something like uh, um, Caria, uh, which is going to have like a, a, a huge afterlife, I think. Um, they've also failed to pick uh, um, things like from that year in... Uh, Oh, 2007. Uh, and that's like a huge Eurovision song. Similarly, they went against Maniskin uh, two years ago. And Maniskin is like touring the States. They're having a huge... Uh, uh, they're they're looking like to be, like be breaking the Eurovision curse, as in something that's going to have like an actual respectable rec- career in music that is not centered entirely around the Eurovision. Um, so like, if this is the music industry professionals, do the music industry job and pick the things that are going to do well in charts. Um, if that's what you're meant to be doing, stop giving points to fucking Cypress <laughs> this year. I think the only thing that comes close to seeing a little bit, bit of that is Israel. I think Israel has the most modern pop sound of all of the other songs this year. They they came first with the rest of the world vote. Uh, there was a televote for the rest of the world. And, you know, uh, uh, Israel did well with that because I think Israel was bringing a lot of like a, a K-pop energy. That was quite uh, um, modern. I think that's, that's what modern pop is. Like we, the, the music industry in the United States doesn't be able to sit, uh, uh, sustain boy bands anymore. We can't pay a bunch of boys to be in a band together. We can only do solo acts now. But like Korea's got to figure it out. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that was probably the most modern pop sounding song uh, of the year i think sweden sounds a little bit dated it's getting like a plagiarism kind of like not a lawsuit but complaint by um Ponderi, the the club from Catalonia, with the song they released in 1993 uh <laughs> i think it also sounds like i said it's euphoria it sounds like euphoria and it's like euphoria was contemporary for 2012 it fit perfectly in the world of things like Katy perry's fireworks or uh, um, titanium and other songs like this that were like these EDM as broadly understood 
tracks with like female power vocals over it. That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> That's not really a thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so why am I bringing up the music industry professionals aspect of this? Um, well, because one of the reforms is maybe changing the content of who the jurors are. Um, there's arguments to be made that jurors should maybe be more kind of like music academics almost. Of They should be people who um, understand composition and understand modern music in this, again, probably more academic sense and can tell when something interesting is being done with the song. Um, for example, a myth that gets pushed around a lot about the EU juries or the EBU um, Eurovision juries that I think I've probably repeated myself is that they were, they're purely doing it on the song and they don't see the performance. Um, that is not true. They, they watch the rehearsals. Rehearsals happen on like Monday, Monday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, the days of the week that Eurovision is not on, the semifinals. And then they're in like little closed rooms watching the feed and that's when they do their rankings. So, so they are definitely looking at like stage show, uh, cinematography, all that kind of thing. And there's people arguing that like they shouldn't be. They should probably just be listening to purely recording with maybe access to things like sheet music and lyrics translated uh lyrics that have been translated um as well as in the original form and like it's meant to be the eurovision song contest so they should purely be looking at the song that's one possible reform that we could do make it purely about the songs for these people and get people who are maybe better suited for that people who like teach music production music composition uh, music history, modern music history, things like that in college. That is one of the proposals that I've seen that I think would make the juries probably more in line with what we expect of them. Um, however, it's not perfect because music is so incredibly subjective, but you know. Then we have um, other proposed reform is actually just fill them with Eurovision superfans. Um, the people in various countries that do Eurovision reporting, understand Eurovision history, that they might be better assessment of what the public goes for because they often are things the people like from Weebly blogs and uh, um Eurovision World and e uh, um ESC United yeah they they're probably better predictors of what the Eurovision audience wants and will enjoy another reform uh rather than getting rid of the juries completely changing the jury's criteria the other reform is uh, um waiting the vote so for example finland's national selection process umk um it is 75 percent public vote 25 percent jury that is how the scoring works and people have suggested we do something like this that the jury points come in but they don't matter as much people have pointed out that if you just doubled the uh, uh, um the public vote then you already have like a 3366 split um, so if you just did like a times two modifier <laughs> on all the public po votes, you would get something uh, um, that would seem fairer. Uh, the reason, another another thought um, that has been thrown around I saw on Twitter, which was we need to get rid of actually, even though it's fairly iconic, we need to get rid of the 12 point system, uh, the 12 point system that we actually, because we're pointing out the jurors have to do this, we actually do the full... 25 ranking like you there's 26 songs in the final this year um 
there will be 26 in the final next year as well, um, that they should just be ranked out of... Uh, um, the jury has to do this. They have to do 1 to 25. Uh, uh, their number one song, their number two song, all the way down to their 24th and 25th favorite for all songs bar, you know, the country they come from. And that that's how the points should be allocated. Uh, this is to avoid things like... Well, what happened to like Spain and Germany this year and stuff like that? Germany, very undeserved win. Um, haven't mentioned it yet, but the jurors also seem to have like a bit of a bit of a problem with anything that wasn't really like conventional pop. Um, I I I really disagree with Germany coming last this year. It was not like a favorite song of mine at all by any stretch, but it was Germany doing the right thing. It was a song that was very competently delivered. I, I, the jury really, I think, shafted that. Like, I, I, I can't change the public vote's mind. I still think that, like, it would have gotten more points if Carrier wasn't just the clear favorite because Lords of the Lost and Carrier are kind of like appealing for the, the, the same audience. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. But the jury, I think, should acknowledge that it was a very competently done, like, glam rock song. Um, yeah. Anyway. But they also like they also kind of shafted Savinia, which was a very competently done indie landfill song. Um, they didn't give any kind of like good points to uh, Croatia, which came second last to the jury, and I really don't think it was like the second worst song that year this year at all by any stretch. Um, yeah, it, it, they they seem very stale overall. Um, so yeah, waiting is one thing, and the whole uh, doing it. 1 to 25, uh, which is a thing that we're already making the jury do. They have to rank all the songs. Um, and it's also something that we have to do with the televote because people vote for all the songs. And you can... Yeah, yeah, we should just be doing it that way, I think. Um, that, that's, a, that's a way to, like... It would be, like, crazy high points. But, you know, it would be uh, a bit nicer, a bit more chill, I think. Um, and it's it's fun to see big numbers come in. <laughs> Um, ranking the jury like all of these reforms I think I would find somewhat acceptable I think like changing the criteria of the jury is probably the weakest reform that's been proposed but still one that I would find very interesting if it ever happened do I think reform will happen though? (laughs) that's a a, a good question Um, so voting system for the Eurovision has changed a lot technically it changed this year because we got rid of the juries in the semifinals Um, but you know We've had changing how the voting system has worked as recently as 2016. Uh, 2004 was another big land. Uh, um, 2004 was another big like tidal shift, watershed moment. As was 2007, 2008. From the quotes I was reading earlier about like uh, um, reintroducing the jury, it can be changed. It can be brought back. And first and foremost, the Eurovision is a TV show. Um, forget all the peace, peace, love, love shit. It is a TV show. And if the audience is going to get pissed off the TV show, yeah, I think they'll change it. They have done it. Like the, they very quickly changed it in response to the jury scandal last year where Azerbaijan was bribing everyone. So they got rid of the juries for the semifinal, semifinals. And, um, they could do it again. Maybe it won't, it won't be next year because it might be viewed as uh, too obvious why they did it. But year after, maybe, um yeah yeah and um i think two years in a row of the headlines 
about Eurovision in a lot of very normal press, like Telegraph and shit in the English-speaking world. And, you know, uh, national broadcaster in Norway, national broadcasters here in Germany, where the headline is, like, the juries are fucked (laughs) for two years in a row for different reasons, mind you, but still. Uh, it's not a great look, and I think they will um, probably do things, especially if they want to make next year a big, spectacular show, they will possibly throw us some sort of bone in terms of jury reform. Um, however, before I wrap up, I wanted to turn to some lovely voice notes that I was left by uh, um, what I'm dubbing the council, the people who I will probably be returning to next year to get their opinions on the competition. Um, so I'm going to play some of those now. Hey, 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 it is Nick reporting in for, I believe this is the sixth installment of Only Mr. God Knows, or seventh installment, I I don't really know. Um, Eurovision has came and went, and um, our our God King Emperor in all this, Kieran, has politely asked me to give my final thoughts. I was there, obviously, with the rest of the Cornish Beatty gang, plus one, including Rob, who came later. Uh, had a lovely time. Uh, watched all the songs, I believe. I don't think I missed any, did I? No, yeah, I watched them all. And uh, yeah, the 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 you know, starting from the biggest upset, which was obviously, of course, Finland was robbed from a uh, a very obvious victory, I think. I mean, there was like a 100-point difference in the popular vote. I think it's very clear that we need to get rid of the Eurovision superdelegates if we want a true democratic Eurovision um, because it's... It was very clear last night that there was a clear, not last night, uh, the night of Eurovision, that there was a clear winner that the judges already had in mind. It kind of comes at, um, I find it a bit boring that you literally sent someone, Laureen, who regardless of the plagiarism allegations of that boring song, um was mid at best like sweden's performance was mid like a perfectly fine mid pop performance the thing about Lorene is that she looked better on stage than everyone because she's been doing this for like two decades but come on sweden like send someone else that was that was cheap honestly uh I was expecting a better performance as well from someone who has that level of pedigree in quote-unquote pop music, although Lorene has not published a actual charting single since, I believe, Euphoria. Nonetheless, uh, yeah, mid-performance did not deserve uh, to win. That was obviously Finland. Sorry, I'm still a bit sour about this. I don't remember even Lorene's song, so I think that that's a pretty good indicator that I've been singing cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Um non-stop since that which you know that you have a good song in that regard which Eurovision songs typically don't have good hooks so very good that then the song that is most stuck in my head is also the song that obviously should have won and uh yeah I really hope that uh Kalia I think is his name Kalia uh hope that he has a actual career in music because clearly whoever's behind those songs catchy AF now, on to other thoughts of Eurovision. Um, it was an overall good evening. There weren't very many duds. I would say Poland was by far one of the worst. 
Um, and uh, but Poland's was only bad just because clearly you can just tell that they sent a horrible entry. It's just a very bland pop song. But uh, Spain's was fun. Portugal's was fun. I really liked when countries added their own flavor into the mix for uh, whether it be uh, uh, linguistically, which is always, you know, uh, great to like it, that that I think we all kind of agreed on too is that you can have a mid song sing it in your native language and you get like a hundred extra points from me just because it is so interesting there are too many entries that seem like that they're just in English to try to get Spotify streams that was much more apparent this year as well um, I really liked Austria's entry though too I thought that was really fun to see them start with the anti Spotify song um, and yeah, overall though, I had a I had a lovely I had a lovely uh, Eurovision watching experience with the gang. And um, yeah, also just another side note: uh, wearing no shoes on your performance, looking at you, Cypress, should be illegal. Um, don't care how good his, his performance was. Again, it was pretty forgetful. But the thing that is stuck in my head is his bare ass feet on the uh, on the stage. That's disgusting. Uh, we should. Uh, we should we should ban feet at at Eurovision, but other than that, um, excited for next year. I surely hope that they change this voting system because that was like not going to say that Eurovision was rigged because it low key kind of always is. Um, but let's just say that Sweden should not be hosting next year's Eurovision because that was clearly just i mean i get it they played for the crowd they like sweden played for the judges because they know that how hard how how heavy uh those votes are weighted um but yeah no um also another note uh there were some on the top contenders i just didn't understand israel's again mid but had the sexy dance so i guess that's where a lot of those points came from Italy, the popper thing, popper thing. I just, you know what, you, you, you really hit it out of the ballpark when you had Maniskin, you know. And I don't think you're going to be able to to bottle up that lightning again. Uh, just send acts that are fun, and we get it. You are Italy. You were going to send one of the corniest acts. Uh, what else? Oh, and I am incredibly vindicated, regardless of how much I was talking shit about the judges, uh, because also then too, the crowd agreed with me on this one. Germany needs to get better at sending entries because Germany needs to look at someone like Finland and be like, all right, we want to do the metal thing. How do we not suck at it? Because I, I, I think that Germany comes into Eurovision too straight because they sent in the gayest metal song that you could think of, which then ends up looking low-key homophobic. A song called Blood and Glitter coming from a German band should not be the thing. But a song that just sucks, and then I'm having to read in German media about, oh, well, why did Germany not do so well? Sweetie, it's not that difficult. Write a good song. Blood and glitter. Da, da, da. Sounds fucking awful. Anyway, uh, had a blast. Looking forward to next year, and I hope that these thoughts are not too uh, all over the place because I have a lot to say about Eurovision. Uh, 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 again, Germany rightfully in last place. Finland wrongfully had a W taken away from them, uh, and I think that we can leave on that. Thank you, Kieran, once again for hosting this, as always. Hi, Josie Parkinson here uh, of freelance 
spacey boy fame, I suppose. Um, I've got to confess that I failed you. Once again, the curse struck and I forgot to watch Eurovision. I was tired, got distracted. Um, you can lead a horse to Eurovision, but you can't make it drink unless you plan some sort of Eurovision-related event and insist the horse be there, ideally in some sort of context like a live show or podcast recording that means the horse gets some attention. Or when the horse has a particularly vulnerable moment, like, uh, for example, several years ago, when the horse had had the worst breakup of its life and it also was bald, the, the horse had shaved its Maine and um, the horse's brother and sister-in-law came to the horse's sublet and with a bunch of frozen potato waffles and chips and um, mozzarella sticks and things and heated those up and sat the horse down to watch Eurovision. So uh, in in this this time, the, the infrastructure and vulnerability weren't there to make sure that I watched um, Eurovision. Uh, so I profoundly apologise to the Eurovision and Shpeti, uh person community for this failure and that probably is what caused Finland to lose. Um, Sweden, if you want my opinion on it, is I didn't have any memory. I don't really have any memory of seeing or hearing it. Um, I didn't even, it didn't even make the cut in my notes of whether or not um, Loreen would inherit the earth or how proud of her I would be if she were my niece. Um, I think probably medium. Uh, what I wrote down was, this sounds like another song, first of all, that I've heard before, so I want someone to answer that for me. Should I get really, really long nails? Question mark. And it is nice because I just recently remembered Anastasia and I would like more things to be like Anastasia, if that's still possible in 2023. Um, uh, for those of you not sure who I mean Anastasia as in from 2002 who sang those songs that were like I don't wonder if you know just how it feels to be left outside alone when it's cold out here like that you know um uh left outside alone. like that um anyway um so I'm sure that was nice for me to remember that um all in all I uh um, just want to say sorry again. Let you down. Let myself down. Um, I let uh, the nation of Georgia down, who I realise weren't in the final, but still. Um, and maybe next year, you know, just, just. I, I, I did. I did have. I, maybe I got a little taste. And next year it'll be easier to get me in on the in on the thing. Okay, but love you. Bye. Hey. This has been taking a little walk around my neighborhood the day after Eurovision, and uh, Kieran asked me to set down some thoughts about what happened last night. Um, it was a fun night, watched Eurovision the way it's intended to be watched, with a gaggle of gays and some sparkling wine, and I think I'm the only person on Twitter who isn't mad that Sweden won with Loreen and the song Tattoo. I think that there is this really weird narrative that is taking hold, that somehow Sweden had a performance that flopped on the night, and that the public all overwhelmingly supported Finland, and the juries kind of pushed it for Loreen and for Sweden. Um, and that's just not true. Uh, Loreen did have a big jury lead. Her lead came from the jury. 
but she came in second in the public vote, and it was close. I mean, Finland got significantly more public vote, but Sweden came in number two and did super well. It's not like the juries elevated something that literally no one wanted, and I think it's a really good song. I think it was a really fun to look at staging. I think I'm going to be hearing it at gay bars until the end of my natural life, and I think that both Finland and Sweden have a lot to be proud of, and they were my top two choices. So in terms of who placed first and second, I was happy with how the night went. Everything else was completely batshit crazy. How the hell did Norway, with that like horrible triple-time Game of Thrones reject sea shanty, where this Alessandra person could not hit any of her notes, including her, like, big, fake Mariah Carey whistle-tone situation. How did she get so many public votes? How did Italy, if you want a story about the jury elevating something that no one liked into the top, that, like, Italian popper and nightmare, I mean, yes, he's hot, but whatever. Um, he's not that hot. Um, I was happy that Belgium did well. I think it's a fun song. I think if as someone said on Twitter, if Italy sang Belgium's song, the Italian singer sang Belgium's song, all of the gays in Europe would have died spontaneously. Um, and I think that's true. Um, how the hell did Australia do so well? How the hell did Lithuania do so well? How the hell did Cyprus do so well? And the fact that kind of flop songs like that beat, you know, Austria um, or Spain, who I thought really got robbed. I thought that was a really beautiful song and a really interesting song and a fun like, marriage of this kind of folk tradition to pop in a way that isn't, like, turbo folk, um, which is always nice to hear. Um, and I thought she performed it really well, and so it's too bad that she didn't get more rewarded by the judges, even though she was wearing really ugly trousers. Um, so, yeah, that was a Eurovision, and I think Sweden's going to do a good job hosting it next year, presumably in Stockholm, because the last one they did was in Malmo, and... Uh, Looking forward to watching it with all of you next year. And until then, we have uh, playlists to uh, keep us going through this sad glitter and dry ice and turbo folk and handkerchief-waving Albanian folk dancer family free next 11 months or so until it all starts again. All right. Bye. Hey, Corner Spotty Crew, Chris Wade here with a little Eurovision uh, post-analysis. Uh, I just want to start by thanking you guys again for turning me on to this because I've very much enjoyed uh, following the Eurovision this contest. And I can also uh, report somewhat interestingly, uh, I don't know if it's just in the air or it's because it's being streamed on Peacock now, but it really seems to be a much bigger deal, at least in my uh crowd of east coast elites that i run in i went to a uh, dinner directly after the competition last night and like three other people at the dinner totally independently had been watching eurovision so uh, i do think it has been breaking in to the uh, american market perhaps somewhat organically or maybe that will ferrell movie really did the trick anyway on the competition itself um Finland robbed. Uh, the fix is in for Sweden. I have to imagine that the sheer output of the Swedish music community uh, just 
uh, pl- is planting sw- sleeper Swedes in every music industry all around Europe who are uh, coercing the vote, uh, just passing on the, uh, the, the, the Swedish guilders uh, through their back channels, uh, coercing the judges' opinions, because that Swedish song is nothing to write home about, and there were much better entries all around. Uh, and yet, and yet, they are the ones who come out on top. Uh, the uh, popular votes, I think, told the real story of who the real winners were and who the real losers should have been. Uh, just some notes from the broadcast. Uh, I really do enjoy seeing all the uh, little glimpses of the specific corners of Europe. It is interesting to see both through the songs themselves and through the broadcast of the people there that, you know, to be reminded that European countries still do have their own independent vibes and uh, folkways, which is why maybe the American Song Contest can't work at the same Eurovision thing, because in America, our local folkways are basically like whether or not the fast food, the same fast food uh, chain is named Checkers or Rallies around where you grew up, or if there's like a Culver's near where you grew up, or a... Um, a crystal or a white castle uh we just don't have that much variation it's all one place no people might say that the south is different no it's all of america is the same and so the original music that we're being created is uh is not going to be as interesting as you know moldova versus ireland or whatever uh and then the other thing that really tickled me is that there was precisely one joke about australia uh every time it was mentioned that you know uh it's like, oh, here we have fed from the, the Serbian music industry uh, wishing all of Europe a very good evening and Australia a very good morning. Like they kept making fun of Australia that it was morning there. It's like and they had to mention it every single time. Uh, you know, get another get another joke. There's so many Australian jokes. Even use one of the classics like, whoa, Australia calling in. Are you about to throw another shrimp on the Barbie or crack open a Foster's? I don't know. Anyway, the music itself was good. All these songs, uh, seeing them perform live uh, was really great. A lot of really good energy and like you really appreciated how goofy some of the songs were. Like, was it the Croatian? Is it Croatia that had the uh, the one uh, that's like the anti-war song? Or whatever, where they all have uh, ballistic missiles. The one about the tractors. Uh, you know, the goofiness really comes through live in a really delightful way. I think that really uh, benefits the songs. And then some of the more powerful ballads. Um, you know, you really, you really feel the, the power in the live performance in a way that just watching the videos doesn't really capture. So it, overall, great experience. Uh, Eurovision has won a new dedicated fan in America. I believe Molly and I will be watching every year going forward. Uh, so... Uh, that is my update. Uh, thanks for, for, for vision pilling me and uh, salute to next year. Um, good, best of luck to Finland for uh, a comeback next year or Ireland to retake the uh, number one cr- crown of uh, most winningest nation. Uh, and uh, down, down to the Swedish dogs. Uh, that's it. Bye. Thanks for those messages. Thanks uh, to everyone that we had on. Uh, Josie Parkson, Chris Wade, Elaine Scattermoon, uh, Nick, technically, as a guest, <laughs> uh, and Ben Miller. Um, really enjoyed having all of them on to talk about their opinions of what they saw this year and what they're seeing this year. Um, and I will have them on again probably next year as well. So thanks to them again. It's been really fun and really enjoyable for me to do this little mini-series. This is genuinely the last one now. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the live stream Eurovision uh, 2023, 2021, 2022, 2020 even, 
um, have always been so much fun. I really love doing them. So, <laughs> God damn it. Going to be doing it again next year. Looking forward to it. Thanks to everyone who watched. Thanks to everyone who sent me messages or left comments in the live stream or tweeted at us that like me talking about this uh, and the live stream is like what has gotten them into uh, the contest. What has like the term I saw <laughs> quite a bit was uh, Eurovision pilled. Um, I do genuinely think this is probably one of the best ways to kind of like understand some of the lunacy that this continent is partaking in. Um, yeah. So <sighs> it's been really great. And um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for indulging me. And um, I will talk to you again. Well, only Mr. God knows.